G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Every weekend, numerous rallies are being held in major cities and regional centres against the COVID-19 vaccine mandates and the uh, often severe restrictions. Legal experts are saying Australian politicians are trying to achieve the goal of full COVID-19 vaccination by scaring and threatening the population. Well, presently, the states are forcing Australians to get vaccinated or face job losses and the imposition of heavy fines. Some states and territories have issued health orders mandating vaccination for numerous industries or workers. All of this aspires to keep Australians safe. But what does it mean for the equality of every Australian before the law? The Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, tacitly endorses these mandatory vaccination orders, despite his earlier insistence that no one would be vaccinated against their will. Today, we're talking about mandatory vaccination and the issues around the freedoms of every Australian. Our special guest today is Professor Augusto Zimmerman, a legal philosopher, former Law Reform Commissioner, a former Director of Postgraduate Studies at Murdoch University of Law. He's currently Professor of Law Adjunct with the University of Notre Dame, Australia, and President of the Western Australian Legal Theory Association. He's also Editor-in-Chief of the Western Australian Jurist Law Journal and Professor in the Sheridan College Faculty of Business. Augusto Zimmerman, welcome back to 2020. Uh, Thanks, Neil. It's a pleasure to talk with you. Augusto, let me start by asking you about the thought that politicians, and maybe no matter what state or territory we're talking about, or federally, that they are looking to scare and threaten people around vaccination issues. What are your thoughts? Well, uh, it is a a very regrettable, terrible development indeed. Uh, We know that um, the Constitution is based on a, a classical liberal tradition of government under the rule of law. And the fact that is that um, the Constitution is based on the idea that some fundamental freedoms must be uh, enjoyed by the citizen, and that includes freedom of choice, apart from other freedoms such as speech, association, movement, and, and others. Uh, so what the government is doing, it's um, in clear violation of uh, fundamental principles of the rule of law, including the idea that the laws should be uh, certain, should be clear, and should not be changing all the time. So the measures that the governments are taking are completely arbitrary and in violation of basic principles of the rule of law. Well, Augusto, the health argument is that the governments are keeping people safe. Uh, but there's a trade-off in all of that, and no doubt politicians are looking at the balance. A trade-off is that there's an enforcement of what's become a discrimination against uh, a minority in Australia. 
Yeah, that's an interesting point because uh, I wrote uh, an open letter to Scott Morrison uh, when this whole uh, thing started in early 2020, asking him to be moderate, to be able to um, make decisions that were not extreme and radical, because uh, there is the law of unintended consequences. And we know that um, apart from people who might uh, perhaps uh, perish of this uh, disease, there will be others and perhaps uh, in a greater number who will perish and even die as a result of the irresponsible behavior of our politicians that are creating unnecessary lockdowns and, and being directly responsible for the um, uh, destruction of many livelihoods in this country. I would say that their actions are bordering the criminal ones and they should be held even accountable for what they have done. So direct consequences where the government is looking to uh, support uh, the states uh, or the states themselves and these unintended consequences and and I uh, you know I'm sure listeners will be interested in the way the law looks at as you say a law of unintended consequences how does that work when the government makes a law well that that's the main problem they are not able to envisage situations that can be uh, caused as a result of their draconian measures. So in order to prevent us from uh, contracting a virus that uh, in many ways was created as a result of a failed uh, uh, experiment in a lab uh, in Wuhan, now we have this problem of the government trying to uh, protect us even through an experimental vaccine. So all these things can be seen as highly problematic, and it's always a very dangerous thing when government coerces people to do certain things, because uh, in our legal tradition, uh, and you can refer to the likes of Sir John Fortescue, for instance, who was the Chief Justice of the King's Bench uh, during the reign of uh, Henry, Henry VI, he said that the law ultimately should be aiming uh, the freedom that was given to us by God. And freedom that is taken away from the citizen always desires to return because it's something that was naturally instilled in the human heart by God. So any government that does not favor freedom must be deemed impious and, and cruel. And what's happening now is exactly this cruelty of government, of uh, of making people, rendering them uh, even uh, unemployable as a result of uh, refusing to take these coercive measures and accepting what the government is forcing them to do. Uh, this is the typical behavior of a tyrannical government, and certainly it is completely alien to our uh, legal traditions in the West. If you don't favour freedom, you favour cruelty. Uh, the thought then the, that you are enforcing discrimination rather than protecting people from it. So you've got freedom, which would be protecting people from discrimination, and you've got the opposite, enforcing discrimination. Is that a way that you can describe the sorts of things you're talking about? And, and certainly so, because one of the most... Uh, uh, basilar uh, elements for the realization of the rule of law is the idea that everyone should be treated as much as possible in a equal uh, manner by the law. So uh, the governments are uh, creating unnecessary discrimination and dividing people into lines of uh, 
people who are vaccinated and others who are not. Uh, that is uh, a very dangerous development because uh, it's the slippery slope that leads to other forms of uh, oppression. So we have to make sure that these uh, measures uh, should unite the population and should be done in a reasonable fashion according to the principle of uh, reasonableness. Sorry, And that's a very important thing that has not been uh, taken into consideration by the authorities at this present moment when they are uh, in the uh, process of undermining the doctrine of separation of powers and allowing the executive branch of government to act measures that are ultimately draconian and leading to the concert, further concentration of power, which is always uh, against freedom. Uh, no doubt there's lots of examples of how that's been happening in the States. But let me ask you, federally, you don't necessarily expect this from a conservative government, but the Prime Minister has uh, tacitly endorsed uh, mandatory vaccination orders, supporting the states, supporting business to do what they think is right. Uh, How does that look uh, when we don't expect that sort of thing from a conservative government where you hope that a conservative government has freedoms at its heart? Yeah, when it comes to freedom, uh, the um, uh, Prime Minister never ceases to disappoint me. You know that when he was only uh, um, a treasurer, uh, he made the point that freedom was not a matter of concern to him because he thought that having freedom uh, doesn't give us a single job, which is a a very uh, bizarre uh, comment that uh, he made. But now we have further uh, developments, including the fact that um, Scott Morrison initially openly, not even tacitly, but openly supported the draconian measures that were uh, implemented by uh, the premier of Victoria. And now we we know it very clearly that uh, Pauline Hanson trying to introduce a bill that would put an end to this madness of uh, uh, coercive uh, vaccine mandates. And the prime minister alleged that uh, Uh, the bill was not properly construed and should not have, therefore, constitutional grounds for its validity. Well, uh, it's quite clear to me as a constitutional law professor, and I wrote an article together with one of the leading constitutional law professors in this country, namely Emeritus Professor Gabriel Moyes uh, of the University of Queensland. Uh, We have written an article saying that he is not definitely not telling the truth to the Australian people, and he is the main culprit for the problems that we are now facing, because he could very easily, according to the comments even made by a former uh, Chief Justice of Australia, namely Sir Harry Gibbs, introduce a bill that combines the external affairs power with the use of inconsistency, which is found in Section 109, in order to put an end to vaccine mandates. So he is the main culprit for the problems that we are having regarding these vaccine mandates. I'm extremely upset and disappointed with him, especially because he is not definitely not telling the truth to the public. And you're typically a conservative, but not holding back here with a criticism of the Morrison government. Uh, You're saying, Augusto, they surely have the power to override state health orders that mandate vaccination, but uh, the Prime Minister and his government are not doing that. This is 2020 with Neil Johnson, helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective.
2020 on Vision. Our talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316. Our special guest this hour is Professor Augusto Zimmerman, a legal philosopher and former Law Reform Commissioner. 1-800-316-316 to join in our conversation. Uh, let's take a call, Augusto, from Bill, who is in Kalgoorlie in WA. Hello, Bill. Welcome along. Hi, Neil. It's Bill Kirkland speaking. Hi, Neil. How are you going, Professor Augusta? Um, first of all, I just wanted to thank you for um, your stand on this. I'm a pastor of a, a local church in Kalgoorlie, and um, mm. I think that these um, mandates are possibly the most evil thing that has actually come across in my time. I've seen people lose jobs. I have no way mm. of um, making an income for people. Um, the elephant in the room, I've dealt with people with vaccine injuries, um, that seems to be the elephant in the room. And um, I'm actually appalled by our federal government and uh, the way that they've uh, showed a total lack of courage in standing up to these um, mandates. I'm not sure exactly who's calling the shots from outside. I've got my ideas. But, um, yeah, I just want to thank you for making a stand. I know I've spoken publicly. I'm very disappointed with the church's response that there seems to be a silence. Um, I've spoken at public rallies. Um, and, mm. um, yeah, I suppose I just wanted to say that uh, there are those in the church that uh, are right behind what you're doing. Um, and Thank uh, you. I just pray that, I pray that more and more people will wake up to um, how destructive, uh, how evil and uh, mm. how deceitful the... Uh, We've been misled to believe that this is for the greater good, and mm-hmm. I think that is just very, very debatable. Okay. And Pastor, so Pastor Bill Kirkland, uh, great insights there, and I think every listener can hear that while we talk about our political leaders, uh, it's political leaders on both sides, whether you're talking about your state leadership or your federal leadership, everybody seems to be grouped under one heading here. Uh, Augusto, your thoughts for Pastor Bill? Yeah, it's very clear that um, in order to defeat this uh, virus, the, the measures that uh, the Australian politicians are uh, taking are extraordinary and very draconian. And they are uh, inevitably causing millions of people to have to undergo very stressful and traumatic situations uh, that can lead to even, as, you, as the good pastor has mentioned, uh, job losses and financial ruin which is uh, inevitably leading to other uh, unintended consequences, such as the suicide rate that I expect to rise, and also marriage breakdown as a result of the stress that the governments are causing. This um, is a total instance of oppression, and certainly it um, uh, causes us to uh, suspect that uh, there might be some uh, unintended uh, uh, consequences even in the future as a result of uh, everything these governments are doing. Uh, we have to be able to speak out because um, the price of liberty is eternal vigilance and uh, we will be honoring our forefathers and be fighting a lawful right, uh, according to this idea, uh, for the lawful right to resist uh, uh, this uh, long train of abuses that are now taking place in this country. 
Pastor Bill, thank you so much for your call. Our talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316. You might have a question, you might have a comment, and yes, you can have a critique of our conversation as well. 1-800-316-316. Let's take another call, Augusto. Diane is in Tewantan in Queensland. Hello, Diane. Welcome. Hello. I'm very um, pleased to be able to have a comment here. And um, I guess I'm a fifth generation, sixth generation Australian and um, I'm in a church and we have various opinions about the vaccine in our church. Um, We have couples who are married who have different opinions, even the husband with the wife. And yet we are trying to keep the main thing the main thing. And I believe that Jesus said we must honour one another. I do not believe at all that our government and particularly our Prime Minister is deceitful. I believe they're ordinary men and women trying to do their very best to help us in this most difficult and unprecedented time. And I've just spent a few days with a seriously ill daughter in hospital and I've seen all the regulations that I couldn't visit her unless I'd had the vaccine and I saw that they were doing their very best to help us. And I want us to honour them. I don't want us to just black paint them black. I want us to be fair in our comments. And as believers, we must keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. For sure, if there are things that they haven't done well, then yes, please pray for them. Pray for them that they will make the right decision. Pray for our Prime Minister. But I hear a lot of aggression directed towards him. I'd like to hear as much prayer directed up for him. Diane, all health professionals you're offering well. some very valuable comments and uh, even comments that talk about honouring one another. And if we're getting very scriptural about that, honouring one another higher than ourselves, preferring others before us. And uh, there's a certain sense in which when we talk about an equality as a Christian believer, uh, you've touched on some very important issues there and the rubber is hitting the road for you, Diane. Augusto, your thoughts for Diane? I think it's a very important thing that she uh, mentioned the fact that you needed to pray for uh, uh, rulers. And certainly that is the instruction given by the, uh, the, the by our scripture. And the prophet Nathan uh, uh, clearly had this in mind when he admonished uh, David for the uh, mistakes that David has committed. And I, I expect to see more uh, priests to admonish the Prime Minister for the violations of the natural law that he is now uh, committing so that uh, he can be brought into repentance and start to behave more like a serious Christian. And that's the prayer that we all need to have and also to be bold and courageous to approach uh, the authorities and tell them to honour God by doing the right thing. Thank you so much, Diane. A wonderful contribution and a wonderful response. And uh, to focus in just a moment, uh, the prophet Nathan admonished King David. Uh, there's a certain sense in which some people say that the church should be separate from politics. Uh, that's not the biblical response. There is a wonderful illustration in that uh, Nathan and David relationship, Augusto. Indeed, and uh, what you have to bear in mind is that uh, Lord Acton, as a good committed Christian in the 19th century, put it quite clearly that um, power tends to corrupt a person's character, and absolute power corrupts absolutely. 
So that's why we need to have in place, again, a proper system of checks and balances of independent branches of government. What is happening is a concentration of power that always leads to tyranny. So the Westminster system needs to be recalibrated, if I can use the word, so that uh, the branches will work in a way that's more harmonious and we are not going to see any longer uh, these arbitrary measures that are changing on a daily basis and as a result ultimately undermine uh, legal stability and and clarity of laws that are so important for us to be able to plan, plan our lives with peace and freedom. Taking calls, 1-800-316-316. Let's squeeze another one in before news. Steve is in Chinchilla in Queensland. Hi, Steve. Need to be quick. What are your thoughts? Um, my thoughts, uh, yeah. I think the double vax now has got past our health. It's actually uh, more a litigation thing now where, where companies are actually fear of being sued if they someone conta- uh, contracts the, the disease from their business and they haven't got um, fully vaccinated workers. I really don't think it has too much to do with health anymore. It's all about wealth. Uh, Interesting. Augusto, a very quick response. Well, that that is the uh, result of uh, ideas that apparently can be for the good of the community but lead to disastrous uh, consequences. So uh, some people are now being uh, uh, told to have the boosters Uh, So we just wonder when this is going to stop, because as soon as the government tells you that you have to put something to your body that uh, you don't really want to have it in your body, then uh, we are going to have an end to this whole thing. When, better saying. That is the problem that we have now, that the ruling classes can now completely ignore uh, the idea of uh, uh, bodily autonomy and freedom of choice. There are lots of calls and there are some who are waiting. Uh, Do be patient just for a little longer because before we take some calls, I just want to ask you, Augusto, there is an argument the federal government does not have the power to override the states on vaccine mandates, but uh, you're arguing that the Commonwealth can rely on its external affairs power. How would that work if the federal government were to override the states? It's a very important question, Neil. Uh, Scott Morrison has not only been uh, supporting tacitly these um, uh, draconian measures, but uh, he's now claiming that uh, his government has no ability to override state laws and these executive orders. Um, uh, professor Gabriel Moyes, emeritus professor of, uh, of law, and myself, we wrote uh, a couple of articles already to explain that um, the <clears throat> rise of international law has actually increased the capacity of the federal government to rely on a particular uh, provision in the Constitution, namely Section 5129, uh, that says that the parliament, the federal parliament, can uh, create a law that relies on the external affairs power. And the external affairs power, according to uh, the High Court of Australia, can be uh, um, interpreted in a very um, expensive manner so that uh, it could be applied to topic relate, related to the protection of uh, fundamental rights, including, in this case, for obvious reasons, the prohibition of uh, uh, mandates, uh, vaccine mandates, or compulsory vaccination. 
And uh, in this article that I wrote with Professor Moyes, I explained that this would be quite uh, easily achievable if there was the political will of the Morrison uh, government to do the right thing in order to protect the fundamental rights of the people in this country. So what I'm not going to allow as a constitutional law professor is the a federal government pretending to not be able to do what is the right thing for them to do. We are taking calls on 1-800-316-316. Let's take uh, some more calls as we go here. You might like to have your say. Let's hear from Hannah in Albany in WA. Hi, Hannah. Welcome. Hello. How are you? Well, Hannah, Hi, what Hannah. are your thoughts? Uh, so we are excited to have Augusto come this weekend. Um, thank you for all the work that you do. You're, you're thank, really a big host for us. Um, so I have some questions about how we could follow through legally on things. So, for example, I got a text from my line manager yesterday saying, yeah, don't come in because I hadn't uploaded my status. We've got, we're in the tier that we've got till the 31st of December. Um, I have friends who are due, they're in the middle of the financial year, so will they not get their bonuses that they've earned as part of their contract in employment? Some are due for long service leave. Many of my friends are suicidal, and many of my friends have gone to get the vaccine because they see no other... They've just been, they've held out as long as they can and they've been pushed to the edge. Uh, it's highly distressing for, for, for those of us who don't want it. Um, so legally, mm-hmm. what, where can we, what type of lawyer are we, you know how there's contract law, there's employment law, there's, you know, many different types of law. Do we have a leg to stand on when, you, you know, I, I had lawful dismissal a lawful order I had to follow to upload my status and then it was just given no more shifts just before Christmas. It seems like unfair dismissal. It seems like not okay. But legally, if you don't know the legal jargon, we, none of us really know where to turn. Hannah, um, you're making some yeah. very good points here and asking yeah. a very specific question. Augusto, who are you going to call if you're on well, the receiving end here? Well, this is... Uh uh, the the problems that these are the problems that you are facing at the moment, because uh, uh, just to let uh, your listeners uh, know, uh, when I started my uh, career as a, a professor here, a, a lecturer, in fact, at Murdoch University, my fir- one of the first units I had to teach was employment relations law and. I always uh, told my students about this almost the sacred aspect of. Uh, uh, um, the enterprise uh, agreements between uh, employee, employee and employer. So the fact that uh, we are now having um, uh, employees being coerced into uh, taking the job is something that for me is absurd because uh, uh, it should can only be done in, in, under normal circumstances, the sort of uh, alterations of the contractual agreement, the employment agreement between these two different parties with the consent of both parties. But we are seeing the undermining of the rule of law and contracts in such a terrible manner that then it facilitates the sort of uh, uh, measures that are taken by the employers when they are uh, basically being instigated by both federal and state governments to do such a thing. So I hope that there will be uh, more lawyers who understand these matters in a proper fashion, and uh, and these lawyers will be able to um, act on behalf of these uh, people who have been uh, the victims of these uh, uh, terrible measures. And uh, there are some class actions on the way, 
And there is even a proper website where people can uh, join these class actions. And I'm very delighted to see, for instance, that my friend uh, Ben Falconer, a uh, police officer, has just uh, uh, started another class action against the uh, terrible government of Western Australia. So uh, I hope that this can eventually lead to a good precedent and a good outcome. And once again, hoping that judges are ultimately going to do the right thing. And uh, as you're saying, look for a specialist in employment law. Is that the uh, person yeah, you would look for? A, yeah, this is one of the things that uh, it's very important to bear in mind. We need to um, have uh, good employment relations lawyers uh, who are able to um, assist those who are now the victims of uh, what is taking place. But as I say, and I must say again, uh, my area being constitutional law, uh, this is very easy to be fixed uh, because uh, Sir Harry Gibbs, uh, former uh, federal uh, high court, uh, chief justice of the high court, explained in a very well-known article that together with the regular operation of Section 109, that's the inconsistency one, with the external affairs power, uh, the federal government has the potential to, dis- to uh, annihilate, to destroy any state legislative measures that are causing these problems. Uh, it's not exaggeration to say that the combination of these two powers could fix the problem entirely if that was the will of the federal government. So we have to act legally. It's very important for these people to have the proper advice and assistance of employment relations lawyers and other lawyers. But ultimately, we could find a very uh, proper and, and a general solution by means of the combination of these two provisions in the Constitution and the willingness of the federal government to finally uh, uh, uphold the, the, the rule of law and do the right thing in this matter. Well, thank you so much, Hannah, for your insight and question there today. one 316 Let's continue to take some calls. Peter is on the Gold Coast in Queensland. Hi, Peter. Hi there. Um, I had so long to think about how to put it all. I want to just thank uh, Professor Zimmerman for and, and 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 men like and women like him who are advocating for us uh, because uh, it's a struggle to put it all into into words. But I wanted to say um, thank you. It, it, I wanted to say that uh, it is such a um, grievous and coercive. Uh, suppression of the facts that's going on. It is a. They are. There's so much. They're using the full gambit of uh, Bernays's engineered consent tactics. Uh, mm. You know, anyone who's done a cursory look into uh, the natural Sigmund Freud, they're they're using uh, coercion. Uh, there's and if you don't think there's a sinister agenda behind this, probably really about the. Um, the evolution of what's the passport, the vaccine passport. Uh, um, if you don't think mm. there's something sinister about it, then you have not done your research. There's absolutely a sinister agenda. Peter, you're making a good point there. Let's get a response from Augusto. Sinister agendas and such things. Uh, your thoughts for Peter? Well, look, uh, there, there is something really uh, strange taking place, especially when uh, we have even some clear provisions in our constitution not being entirely respected. So we started to really uh, suspect that there is something more sinister taking place. Uh, 
Uh, one of the reasons as to why we develop a, a constitution of federation was that um, uh, to make sure that the borders would be absolutely free, and that's a provision found in Section 92. It's the, it's the determination uh, derived from uh, the written constitution as, uh, as it is found in Section 92. Uh, and the High Court last year said that this provision it doesn't need to be respected because, after all, we are under these so-called emergency powers. And I have to remind the public that this was a very uh, similar situation uh, that allowed uh, the legal profession in 1930s Germany to allow a certain dictator to renew emergency powers that ultimately disregarded uh, the fundamental rights and freedoms that were explicitly stated in the Weimar Constitution. So it's quite dangerous, this sort of development where basic rights and freedoms are being undermined on the grounds that we have to fight a supposed uh, pandemic. And um, so this is all very sinister indeed, and that can lead to a, a very terrible outcome because uh, Hayek, Frederick Hayek, in law, legislation, and liberty, uh, put this very clearly, that uh, temporary measures uh, on the grounds of emergency, they tend to inevitably become more permanent ones because power corrupts, and absolute power corrupts absolutely. So we might never ever be able to have the enjoyment of rights and freedoms if you don't say to these uh, power-grab authorities, these sort of um, rulers that we have, that uh, we are now uh, wanting them to stop with this madness and that enough is enough. Peter, on the Gold Coast, thank you so much for your call. We'll take as many calls as we can. Let's keep going. Fiona is in Tasmania. Hello, Fiona. Welcome. Hi, thank you for taking my call. Um, I haven't been listening to the entire segment. My apologies. So hopefully what I have to contribute is relevant. Um, I'm part of, well, I'm affiliated with a group of medical workers who have been affected by mandates and there's over 550 of us in Tassie and another two odd thousand who are not directly involved with the medical industry but but you know support us as well we've employed a barrister and um, it's been unbelievable what we've had to experience going through the court system the magistrate wouldn't touch it the Supreme Court, they went back and forth and now we're in this state of limbo and, and you know, the court system is, you know, taking an unreasonably length, long length of time to give us the transcript which we so badly need to move forward and and the the, the duress and coercion and toxicity in all the workplaces of, of many of the, the people in our group, it's just been horrendous. Um, and, yeah, I, it's I, my husband and I have met with one of the senior health advisors to the government in Tassie and he acknowledged that what the, the message that the government is putting out across Australia is incorrect but that's something that they'll need to address in due course and that is that getting vaccinated helps your, your aunt, uncle, whatever. It's actually known that um, medically that it doesn't actually, it's very ineffective to totally ineffect, you know, little effect the vaccine at actually um, stopping people catching or transmitting COVID. Fiona, so, there's all yeah. sorts of evidence around the world on the health issues. Let's uh, keep on the legal issues here because uh, something disturbing there in what Fiona's raising, and I'll get your response, Augusto, that even magistrates are afraid to deal with the issues. Uh, when we're uh, when we've got a situation where the 
people on the bench are afraid to deal with the issues at hand. That's concerning too, isn't it? Well, this is also a, a reflection on uh, the state of legal education in this country when, uh, unfortunately, my interactions with many members of the legal profession, uh, I was surprised to see that they have a very uh, poor jurisprudential uh, approach to these uh, uh, manifold issues. So what's happening is that um, by default, they become legal positivists. Legal positivists are those who claim that uh, the law must be applied regardless of consequences and regardless of its merits and even matters of justice involved. So uh, not, I'm not uh, accusing them of being legal positivists by choice because unfortunately the state of legal education in this country is so appalling that most of them are legal positives simply by default because they have no idea of common law jurisprudence. They have, no, have never read Blackstone's uh, commentaries on the laws of England. They have no idea about natural law. They certainly don't, uh, some of them even know what uh, Aquinas had to say on these subjects. So it's very regrettable to see that as a result of the poor uh, sort of legal training that judges and lawyers receive in this country, they are incapable or not capable to uh, properly understand the nature of the common law system and the fact that according to the likes of Fortescue and Bracton, even the government is under God and the law because it's the law that makes the government. So the government, to be under the law, it has to be able to respect uh, basic fundamental freedoms of the individual and to advance ultimately the common good as a consequence. So this is the price we are paying for the lack of proper education and even illiteracy in this country. So when it, she refers to the listener, to the fact that some people cannot see what's going on, that's because most of them, according to Professor Gabriel Moyes, are semi-literate people who can't barely read and rationalize properly. So we are facing the complete decay of moral standards, educational standards in our society, and that's what is now resulting uh, this whole uh, state of affairs that we have facing at the moment. Fiona in Tasmania, thank you so much for your comment. I will have to put a, a line under any more calls because I do want to touch on one more issue before we let you go, uh, Augusto, and that is the issue of all of these marches that have been taking place on the streets around Australia and other measures that people might be making in what you could call civil disobedience. Uh, I wonder whether you've got any thoughts and insights around the sorts of actions people are taking. There's been a call from an earlier listener to pray for our leaders. Uh, you can pray for your leader in your prayer time, but what sort of action is an appropriate action when you are a Christian and you ha have these Christian principles that uh, undergird your life? What are your thoughts here, Augusto, on civil disobedience? Well, look, perhaps I should appeal now to the leading constitutional law uh, scholar in this country, Professor Moyes. Uh, he has um, uh, just recently written an article explaining that civil disobedience can be legally justified when the normal channels of societal or social change are not functioning uh, in the way that uh, it should be. So if a system does not um, address uh, concerns of vulnerable people, and the law is being used now to impose um, oppression on weaker and vulnerable people, Christians have the moral duty to disobey these unjust laws, 
but all, they should avoid as much as possible to be uh, violent, for instance. But um, we have to consider in this sense that some of these laws are themselves some forms of violence because they lead to widespread misery, poverty, and even, as I have referred earlier in our conversation, to suicide, the growth of suicides in this country. And then, just to make this point more clearly, we have to remind, be reminded of the actions of Dr. Martin Luther King in the United States in the civil movements in the 1960s, because uh, King made a decision to march on a Good Friday in 1963, and um, a magistrate issued an order prohibiting him to do so. But King preferred to honor God and not man, and he refused to comply with this order, and he ended up being arrested as a result. But what he did in jail was very important when he referred to the fact that there are some good laws, just laws, and unjust laws. And Christians have not only the right, but the moral duty to disobey unjust laws that violate the moral law and the law of God. And when there is street protest, as you say, and reflecting on the civil rights movement under Martin Luther King Jr., uh, there is a a certain peacefulness about that. Uh, It really is uh, a way that Christians would be marked in the way that they do protest. And uh, so an important element to add into there are the peaceful protest of the Christian believer, but it's not one that sits on the sidelines and watches. Uh, Oftentimes it's uh, being called into the game to stand up for what rights you see are righteous rights and uh, biblically aligned uh, freedoms here where a government is legislating apart from a biblical truth and doing something alternative. Uh, Augusto, always so much appreciate your insights. Uh, You did mention a number of times through our conversation, Emeritus Professor Gabriel Moens, you and he have written some articles together on these issues. How can listeners most easily get a hold of those articles if they're interested to pursue this a little further? Well, look, we have been publishing articles in uh, publications such as um, uh, The Spectator, uh, Quadrant, and also the Epoch Times. So if uh, the, the readers uh, wish to know more about uh, what we have to say on these topics, these would be the right places to go to and, and uh, to be able to read more and know more about these subjects. And, of course, uh, walter.net.au. Is uh, any of those articles available through there, or is that mainly legal journal type of uh, articles? Uh, I have some articles there as well. And um, when we have an event... Uh, with the presence of Professor Moins or myself, we always post an information on that particular website. So it's a good way to get to know about uh, what um, we are promoting and, uh, and the, right, the, the positions that we are taking on these different uh, matters. For listeners who want to read those articles, The Spectator, Quadrant or The Epoch Times, and uh, there are often those, uh, those articles too at walter.net.au. Uh, Professor Augusto Zimmerman, legal philosopher, former law reform commissioner, professor in the Sheridan College Faculty of Business uh, and uh, editor-in-chief of the West Australian Jurist Law Journal. Uh, Augusto, thank you so much for sharing your thoughts with us today on 2020. Thank you very much, Neil. God bless you and your listeners. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.